Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the August 13th, 2017 edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host. Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Now on today's show, I promised you guys a film review of the preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. Unfortunately, Game Pass doesn't actually have the coach's film available yet in the preseason. It's a regular season type of thing. But I did rewatch the game on NFL Network with some rewind uh, capabilities here and there. And so I went back and watched that and got some news on that for you guys. So we'll get to that later on today. Some more news regarding Ryan Tannehill over the weekend. But before we get to that stuff, let's hear from our sponsor first, and we'll be right back. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, welcome back into the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And as you know, this is the moment of the show where I ask you to go on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps me, helps you guys, helps everybody. And for more coverage on your Miami Dolphins, follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. And for league wide coverage, check out the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. Lastly, check out 3rd10.com my quarterback-driven website. I've got a column up right now recapping all the quarterback action from around the league for the week one of the preseason. I put some gifs on there, talked about the Broncos with, Os- uh, with uh, not Osweiler anymore, with Simeon and, and Lynch and the other quarterback battles going around, also the AFC East with the New York Jets and Josh McCown, all that good stuff. So plenty of information for you guys there, but this is the Miami Dolphins podcast, the Locked On Dolphins podcast. So let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. And the game from Thursday, the victory over the Atlanta Falcons, 23-20. to And I know the results aren't exactly what we really care about during the preseason. It's more about individual performances. And that's kind of what we were examining in this game and the rewatch specifically. Now, last week I tried the live podcast version. I was kind of recording during the game and, and taking breaks and, and coming back and re-recording certain things. I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on that format. If you liked it, do you like it when I wait till the whole thing's over? I wanted to be the first one to get you guys news on the on the game and, and get it out there. So hit me up on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Let me know what you thought, and we'll uh, we'll see what we do this week with that. I'm undecided on that format. So this show, back to the normal, the normal format, and I want to discuss the game in a little more detail for you guys. And the first thing I want to touch on is something that probably doesn't need to be said during the preseason because play calling is really... 
vanilla at best, and they're kind of just trying to figure things out. But there was two play calls that, that irked me a little bit, and one got a little bit of heat on Twitter as well. It was the first screen pass to Devontae Parker, and it looked like it was pretty well blocked at first on that third and eight on the opening series. They swing it out to him, and Parker just kind of falls to the ground after being contacted. And, you know, this kind of drew up a conversation on Twitter, on my Twitter specifically. I actually had to block somebody because the first thing they called me was an idiot, which eh, seems a little bit much. Regardless, Devontae Parker is not the kind of guy that is going to break a bunch of tackles or run through traffic, pick his way through traffic. He's not side to side. He's not, he doesn't have great agility side to side laterally. He's more of a straight line runner and he can get, he can get that speed going up in the open field, but he's not a guy you're going to ask to break a lot of tackles and and pick his way through traffic. So I, I, I don't understand the play call, especially when you have Jarvis Landry, a guy that can do the same thing, but or catch the ball the same way and then just run through tackles and, and make big plays. Or even Kenny Stills, who's a little bit more gifted in that front. So weird play call there. The other one was a play call that we saw a lot last year from the defensive side of the ball, Vance Joseph's scheme. And it actually got Cameron Wake an interception in the New York Jets game on the road in December, Matt Moore's first start. But it is the defensive lineman dropping into coverage into that hook zone. Now that's a play the Dolphins ran quite a bit last year with linebackers as well as defensive linemen where you, you kind of bait one way and then you drop into the hook zone the other way. Actually led to the Kiko Alonso pick six for the win in the San Diego Chargers game. But the defensive lineman doing it, it's it's kind of a funky system. And I think that the, the, the down and distance is where I really got frustrated because it was a third and 15 right after a third and 20 where Terrence Fide jumped off sides. And then they dial up this this play where Devon Godshow drops into coverage and he's just kind of floating around on no man's land and you have a twist from the lineman on the other side and they kind of run into each other and it just doesn't really work and it gives the quarterback, Matt Sims, all day to throw and he finds his man for a 16-yard first down Falcons move the chains and the Dolphins are left kind of scratching their head. I don't like that call. It is preseason. They're getting things ironed out. Perhaps we'll scrap that once the season comes around. Perhaps they'll use that more in a third and six, third and eight range type of a play. Just don't do it on third and 15 when there's no really purpose for it. Just rush your guys and and get after the quarterback that way. All right, speaking of Devontae Parker on that screen pass, the next thing I want to talk about was how loaded this receiver group is. We all know about Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Parker potentially the best one through three group in the entire NFL. I, I know a lot of people like to look at receiver duos, but as far as a trio goes, you're not going to get much better than that. And then that fourth, five, possibly six spot on the roster really is up for grabs at this point. And before I get into who I think will make the roster on that side of the ball or on that unit, I should say, uh, looking at the roster as a whole, you look at the running backs and you're probably going to have three running backs because outside of J.H.I., Kenyon Drake, and Damian Williams. There really isn't a guy worthy of a roster spot there, and that's kind of how you construct a roster. Who is worthy of being on an NFL roster? I don't see Sonoris Perry, Devion Smith, or Storm Johnson being worthy of that in any way, shape, or form. Look at the tight ends. It's the same thing. Three tight ends. Julius Thomas, who eh, we'll get to him in here in a minute. Julius Thomas, Anthony Fasano, and then Marquise Gray, who had a big night. And the other tight ends, Thomas Duarte and Chris Pantel, likely not fit for the roster. Duarte, I guess, could sneak in there, but probably a practice squad guy for the second straight year. But with that in mind, your receiver group, you're going to have to have six receivers in this roster, I I believe, at the end of the day. And when you consider what they gave up to get Leonte Carew last year, the fact that he had that nice touchdown catch, which we should give him credit for, that was a heck of a play that he made to adjust on the ball in the air and score a touchdown, you have to figure he's on the roster for the fourth spot. And then you have two more spots where Jakeem Grant probably figures into that mix just because the team likes him. He was a sixth-round pick last year. I think that he's probably going to be on the roster again this year as a more of a perimeter-wide receiver rather than having him focus solely on returns and slot receiver, get that speed on the edge and let him kind of wreak havoc from there. So he's probably on the roster. And then you have a whole laundry list of guys that could be considered for this for this next job. 
Um, the guy that I'm banking on right now, or not banking on, but let's just say the guy that I'm pulling for, he actually is from, or he came to college where I'm from in the Seattle area, and he got kicked off the University of Washington football team and had to go down to Ole Miss. He got into some physical altercations around Super Bowl time when the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl, got into a fight, got himself kicked off the team, went to Ole Miss. It was kind of the same story you saw in the game on Thursday. Big playability. We all know what the 99-yard touchdown play, but he also has questionable hands, and that was kind of the case in Ole Miss too. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Definitely a big body, definitely a, a playmaker there. Drew Morgan was the one that got all the buzz in camp, the receiver from Arkansas, undrafted. And then Francis Owusu had that touchdown catch that was really fantastic in the back of the end zone on Thursday night from Brandon Dowdy. And he's a guy that made that heck, that amazing catch at Stanford. It's, if you Google Francis Owusu Stanford catch, it'll be the first thing you'll see. I mean, it'll pop right up there. He pinned the ball around the defender's back and made a heck of a touchdown catch. But he's he's the kind of guy, he's a smart, savvy type of route runner, you know, obviously a Stanford grad. Uh, he's the kind of guy that could stick as well and the guy, a type of guy that this coaching staff might fall in love with. Now, the other three guys, Mitch Matthews, Malcolm Lewis, and Jordan Westerkamp, I'm going to write them off right now. You know, nothing personal, just they don't, they're, <laughs> the, the, the deck is definitely stacked against them. So between... Grant, Stringfellow, Morgan, and Awusu. That's four guys for two spots. You know, I'll let you guys decide who you think should make the roster. But for me, I'm going to go with Jakeem Grant and Demora Stringfellow for that fifth and sixth role on the receiver roster. Now, speaking of roster concerns, the interior of the offensive line is where things really get muddied. And I know I got I saw a lot of love on Twitter for Isaac Asiata, but the concerning part to me was the fact that he was the third left guard to come into the game. You know, you see guys like Eric Smith and Jesse Davis getting action out there. You see them kicking over Anthony Steen. I think it was Anthony Steen went over there at one point. They're, they're kind of rotating different guys into left guard that aren't Isaac Asiata, and that's a position that you really got to worry about going into the season. Now, you know, center Mike Pouncey has been practicing again. Hopefully he's back. The tackles are, are set in place. I think right guard Jermon Bushrod is a guy that, with a healthy shoulder this year and, you know, a, a full year of experience playing interior line should be improved. So that left guard spot really remains open and is the one to watch, I think, for the rest of the preseason and camp. Now, a name that could be interesting for that spot is a former Dolphin slash former Jaguar slash retired slash cut. I don't know what the deal slash traded slash released with us. I mean, the, the guy's had a heck of a six-month run in his career. But uh, Brandon Albert was released from the Jaguars after the Dolphins traded him for a seventh-round draft pick, and he retired, and then came back, had a change of heart, and he puts himself back into position to collect the $3.4 million roster bonus that he was owed <laughs> by not retiring. So you really have to question his motive. But if he wants to play football again, you know, the Dolphins talked about moving him into guard last year. The guy was a guard in college. He can play guard. I think it's more of a pride thing for him. I mean, Laramie Tunzel's the left tackle of this team. He's the best lineman on this team and deserves to be out there. He's got the best feet, so that just makes the most sense all the way around. So if Brandon Albert was open to return, I would see what he wants to do because, you know, he, he's a he's a potential guy there. But that left guard position was really kind of an unmitigated disaster on Thursday night, and it kind of was in general across the entire offensive line. I mean, this this depth on this roster is not very good on offensive line. I think maybe Craig Urbick is the one guy you can get excited about, but outside of that, who played that really impressed you? Sam Young was, was kind of rough. Jake Brendel was kind of rough. Asiata was rough. Anthony Steen had a rough night. And then you have a bunch of guys that, are, I mean, are really camp bodies. Eric Smith, Avery Young, Jesse Davis. I, I just don't see these guys sticking on. They're not really NFL quality players. So a lot of work to be done there. 
We mentioned the receivers already, the running backs, the quarterbacks. I think you'll probably go with two quarterbacks. Matt Moore got the one series. Brandon Dowdy looks really awful. The arm talent's not there, kind of throwing off the back foot. The interception was really bad. David Fell, same story, just not an NFL talent caliber player. He struggled big time. The tight ends, Julius Thomas, I mentioned him earlier at the top of the show. He might he reminded me of Jordan Cameron last year on a uh, a backside block that he was supposed to make. He came across the formation to make a backside block and just whiffed horribly. And that's what Jordan Cameron was, a really bad inline blocker. That's been Julius Thomas throughout his career. So I'm really curious why Adam Gaze kind of wants to roll that way because it seems like not a strength of his and something this offense needs in the running game with the counter running game, the outside zone. You're going to need those tight ends to block. So rough night for the tight ends from that sense, except for Marquise Gray, who played awesome. Love that guy. I think he's going to be a really good contributor again once, once again this year. Earned that contract. Yeah, and then that's the offense. So on defense, though, I think the defensive line is going to be your biggest strength of the season. We talked about Godshow on Devon Godshow on the last episode. Really just played dominant, had those heavy hands, quick hands, good lateral agility. And the guy that he's taking over for, Jordan Phillips, had a pretty good night too. He had the, another penalty, which, I mean, he's been, let's face it, the guy's becoming a penalty machine at this point of his career. But he's probably going to be relegated to a backup role. He had a good night. That defensive tackle position is really an inter- interesting one to watch. I got a good chance to look at uh, Julius Wormsley and Nick Williams, those guys. Lawrence Malvo had a sack. Lawrence Acobier. And I thought Joby St. F- J- Joby St. Fleur, I hope I pronounced that right, he had a pretty good night as well coming off the bench in the fourth quarter late in that game. Number 61 is a weird number for a DN, but he played pretty good in that game. Charles Harris had three pressures in the game. That's something really exciting to be excited about. Put that spin move on the left tackle. Really excited about that. We heard a lot about that in the buildup to the season. And then William Hayes, we all saw what he did defending the run, pursuing the quarterback from the from the backside. Just a really good game for Will Hayes. That's going to be a big addition for the Dolphins. And then Ndamukin Sue, just what else do you expect from the guy dominates again? So good game from the defensive line, a strength in that area. Linebackers uh, without Raekwon McMillan, you know, he, Raekwon, you know, I saw a lot of reactions on Twitter talking about the decision to put him on special teams. Well, your third linebacker is only going to play roughly 40, at most, probably 40% of the defense defense's snaps. And that's even probably that's probably too high, even probably more like thirty percent. So he's got to play special teams to contribute to be on the roster to make it worth his roster while. So you can't blame the freak injury that the type of thing happens. But linebacker, you know, the depth just took a major hit. So if Alonzo or Timmons goes down, you really have a concern there. And then the next concern for me is the secondary. I mentioned to you guys it's pretty tough to evaluate the secondary without the use of all 22 film where you have the bird's eye view. And just from the broadcast view, it's tough to watch. But what I saw was TJ McDonald get burned on touchdown. The first touchdown on the, or the touchdown on the first drive. He had a really rough game. His position was bad. Angles were bad. I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that he knows he's not going to be playing until November. Rashad Jones, great to see him back out there again. He was making tackles. They were down the field, but he's just such a sure tackler, and he can really mitigate some of those big plays the Dolphins allowed last year. So I'm glad to see him back. The cornerbacks, I, it's a deep position, but it's not a good position. You know, Byron Maxwell is what he is. Xavier Howard had some good plays, but I wish they would let Xavier Howard play more press because when he falls off, he kind of he's has a tendency to give up those short completions, which is kind of today's NFL but it's also kind of frustrating because if you can hit those plays automatically, like a lot of the good quarterbacks do, you're in second and three, second and two, and it's, it's really tough to defend in the, against those down and distances. So the secondary is a worry. I do want to see more out of A.J. Hendy, the safety, and Lafayette Pitts, the corner. I think those are two guys that are going to be 52, 53, 54th men on the roster, kind of in that cut bubble range. 
So I really want to see more of those guys because they're good special teamers and they just look like NFL bodies. And they had good preseasons last year. They had good outings on Thursday. Want to see more of those guys. So that's the game recap. I'm sorry it wasn't more in-depth. It's really tough for me without film. I, I mean, I think anyone that tells you they have a great understanding of the game with a broadcast view is kind of lying to you. So I want to be transparent with you guys and let you know that it is tough to evaluate without coaches' film. So that's where I am. But let's move on from that and talk about the three guys that helped themselves the most and three guys that hurt themselves the most on Thursday's game against the Falcons. The three guys that helped themselves, I think it's pretty easy. I probably already have covered them quite a bit. But Devon Godshow, we talked about him. I think he's probably fit to be the starting tackle alongside Ndamukong Sue for opening day against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number two, Kenyon Drake, the running back, played some receiver, flexed out wide, caught some passes, runs that outside zone so beautifully. You guys know how much I love him. I think he's probably in line to be your number two back behind Jay Ajayi, and I do believe in him that he could carry the load if if Ajayi goes down. He could be the guy that gets 20 carries a game, and I think he'd handle business there. So he's the number two most improved his position on the roster type of guy. Number three is obviously Demoria Stringfellow, the big 99-yard touchdown catch. I mean, to make a guy miss and run away from him like that, score the longest touchdown in franchise history, very impressive. So those are the three guys that helped themselves the most on Thursday. And the three guys that hurt themselves the most are going to be Mike Hole. He was responsible for not filling that gap on the big the big run that almost went into the end zone at the end of the first half from the, the running back named Ward for the Falcons. He couldn't get off a block, and he, he approached the wrong gap. So not good for him. Next is Brandon Dowdy. I talked about him in the open. I don't think he's going to make this roster. They'll probably try to sneak him on the practice squad again, but we'll see how that works for him. He'll probably get cut, and then we'll see what happens with his, his future. Just not an NFL-worthy type of talent. Third, this one's kind of tough. I already talked about TJ McDonald, so we'll move on from him. But Sam Young, the offensive tackle, the swing tackle, the sixth guy off the bench, if you will, he got a lot of playing time last year as a sixth lineman into the game. Probably not going to get that as much this year with better tight end play from Anthony Fasano. But he, he he had a rough night, and I think he probably hurt himself a little bit in that regard as well. And then I wanted to give an honorable mention for who helped themselves to Dion Lacey. I think this is a guy that came down from the CFL, and you know he had a lot of a lot of offers to play in the NFL. I think he could be a guy that could get some serious reps, possibly compete for that starting linebacker job now that Raquel McMillan is out. So Dion Lacey, number forty-four, keep an eye on him the next couple of preseason games. Okay, a little bit of news for you guys here. Uh, Ryan Tannehill did opt to go ahead and get the surgery. That's supposed to happen this week at some point. I know that he was really adamant against not doing it, but I think it benefits everybody. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Probably a good idea to go ahead and get that surgery, come back strong next year. And another thing with that news is Adam Gaze went on Sirius Radio and they, they had a whole Dolphin show and had a bunch of guys, Laramie Tunzel and Adam Gaze, a bunch of guys came on there and talked football with him. And he, he talked about Ryan Tannehill and you could just hear his demeanor shift when they brought up Ryan Tannehill. And you see that that love that he has for Tannehill. It's genuine. He mentioned he came to Miami to be the coach here because of Ryan Tannehill. So if you have any questions about Ryan Tannehill being here, the only way he's not going to be here is if Jay Cutler lights the world on fire and wants to come back and we go deep into the playoffs. That's the only way. Just just get it out of your mind. Otherwise, that's the only way it's going to happen. Other news, Jay Ajayi left practiced on Sunday with hydration concerns, not a concussion. He's out of the con- concussion protocol. Apparently, he had a lack of hydration. Get him out of that heat. Get him rested. Put the guy in bubble wrap. Don't even worry about it and move on. The last one here, it's not really news, but I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was kind of cool. Jay Cutler gets a lot of crap from people about not caring about the game, but there was a, a, a photo that went viral of him taking the fellows out to Red Lobster. Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Jarvis Landry took them all to, to Red Lobster. I, I, I saw Red Lobster, but I'm not sure that that is Red Lobster. It doesn't look like it in the photo, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is he had dinner with his guys, and they were all happy and with full bellies. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a five-star rating, and write me a review. We actually have a review this week. Uh, If you give me a review, I'll read it on the air for you guys. And this one comes from Barry Paul Pierce on iTunes. He says, if you love the Dolphins, this is a great informed source for information. Enjoyable to listen to, up to date, and I like the thoughtful insight from Travis at Locked On Dolphins. Well, thank you very much, Barry or Paul or Paul Pierce or whoever you are. I'm not really sure what that name means. Barry Paul Pierce. Like I said, you write me a review. I'll read on the podcast. And also, if you want to submit me a question to answer on the podcast, go ahead and do that and uh, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. That's at Wingfield NFL. And when you subscribe to the podcast, check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And check out 3rdand10.com, my personal website, following all the NFL quarterbacks as well as college quarterbacks. This week, I'm actually going up to a practice for the Washington State University Cougars to watch Luke Falk swing it, sling it, and watch Mike Leach and his crew get to work get to get ready for the season. So check all that out. I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.